0: Welcome to In Focus, a discussion of current issues affecting our economy, featuring a review of the latest research and analysis from the Washington Research Council. Hello, welcome
1: to the In Focus podcast from the Washington Research Council. I'm Mary Strau, Communications Director and Research Analyst. Joining me today is Emily Makings, our Senior Research Analyst, as well as Chris Showbloom, our Research Director and Senior Economist. And today is Tuesday, October 6th. We're going to start out with Emily, who's going to be talking about uh, two different topics. First, we'll start off with minimum wage.
0: Yes. The Department of Labor and Industries announced last week that the state's minimum wage will not increase next year. It will will remain at $9.47. As readers know, it was indexed to, or listeners listeners know, (laughs) it was indexed to inflation in 1998, and so it's been going up pretty steadily since. Um, it did not increase in 2010 as well. In both 2010 and this year, the consumer price index actually declined. But um, the minimum wage law in the state doesn't allow the minimum wage to actually decline. So it just stays the same. And this news means that Washington will no longer be the have the highest minimum wage in the nation. Next year, uh, California and Massachusetts have already announced that their minimum wages will go up to $10. So this is kind of um, a little bit new. Uh, I was looking through the state data earlier, and in 1997, the year before we indexed to inflation, Washington's minimum wage was the ninth highest in the nation. In 98, it was the seventh highest. In 99, it was the fourth highest. And then in 2000, it jumped to number one. It uh, was number two in 2001 and 2003, but other than that, since 2000, it's been number one. Wow. So, we're dropping slightly, but probably we'll stay right there. Although, um, this may be an indication that other states are going to start jumping us ahead of us conti- continually. So, we'll see how that works out because it generally doesn't increase very much just based on inflation.
2: Yes, uh, it's... <laughs> We shall see how it plays out politically here also. Right. I, can, mm-hmm. I can imagine a number of people jumping around and uh, trying to push something through the legislature and then running around with those big foam mittens going, we're number one, we're number one. Mm-hmm. It's,
1: uh, For the time being, at least, We'll have to, everyone will have to adjust their talking points. Yes. I'm saying the highest right. to the third highest.
2: Well, we still do have Seattle.
0: Yes. That's yeah, true. this is state statement wages only, not uh, cities or the District of Columbia, which I think is actually higher than 947 yep. right now. But
1: Okay. Um, also on your list today, Emily, is marijuana revenues. You have some news about that.
0: Yeah, the um, Association of Washington Cities put out some data on the amounts of the revenue distributions from marijuana excise taxes as part of the uh, retail marijuana um, legislation, counties and cities that allow retail sales of marijuana get a portion of the excise taxes back, um, presumably for public safety funding, but there's actually no um, uh, no dedica- dedication to the funds. That oh, you- interesting. Yeah, as far as I understand. Okay. It. Um, so the interesting thing is that Vancouver gets far and away the most um of the highest amount of the distribution mm-hmm. it's uh seven hundred and ninety one thousand dollars, and the next highest is Tac- Tacoma with four hundred and forty eight thousand dollars, so this really kind of shows what a strong um influx they must have had from mm-hmm. Portland. can
1: you imagine yes, and All those people trekking over,
0: yeah, I mean there's just to Washington, I mean, yep there's no other. <laughs> Explanation for Vancouver coming out ahead of Tacoma and Seattle, um, and yep. interestingly, Oregon just approved or just allowed uh, retail or um, recreational. Keep saying re- retail, so mm-hmm. recreational recreational marijuana as of October first. Yep. So now, I'm very curious to see when next year's numbers come in for Vancouver, because now not only do Oregon residents have less of an incentive to come north. But also, there's no tax on Oregon's mm. marijuana sales right now until, I think, January 4th. Oh, interesting. Yes. And at that point, it will be a lower excise tax than Washington has. Okay. Plus, yeah. Washington also levies sales tax on marijuana sure. um, purchases.
2: Um, so we won't have to wait because the um, um, the LCB, uh, Liquor and oh. Cannabis Board, uh, does, I, I think, publish... Um, um, Sales figures by store, oh. uh, and so we'll be able to see those those pretty quickly. Uh, um, yeah. And the um, you know the two highest grossing stores in the state are located in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And in the short run, even though there are no taxes, if the if the supply is constrained in um, in Oregon, we may see high prices there that will sort of blunt the uh, the incentive to yeah. stay home
1: when you purchase. Did you just use High and blunt in the same sentence. Yeah, inadvertently? Yeah, wow. Nice Oh, work. give me some
2: credit.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I
2: intentionally use those two words, please.
1: <coughs> Just slipping them in there. Yeah. See if anyone would notice. And Anyway, go ahead. And, and it's noted that you noticed. Mm-hmm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do my research. Yes. <laughs> Very good.
2: Uh, okay. Yeah that's about all i
1: have to all have right yeah. that topic. Mm-hmm. good okay so we'll see if um those vancouver stores stay as popular yeah once the once the new numbers after post uh, the oregon law kick in okay well this week um i'm gonna just talk a little bit about the governor's proposed clean air rule um, which we'll be delving into in more detail later but um, I wanted to talk about its potential impact on one particular company. Um, in a nutshell, uh, a couple weeks ago, the governor uh, directed the State Department of Ecology to start writing a what he's calling a clean air rule to reduce carbon emissions. Um, the Department of Ecology says that companies and organizations responsible for the Pollution, meaning the carbon pollution, um, which is over, what are they, how do they measure it, uh, emit entities that emit at least 100,000 metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalent per year. Um, These companies and organizations would have an obligation to gradually reduce the amount of carbon they emit over time. A wide variety of options to reduce emissions would be available. Um, Since Ecology is still in the rule-writing process, uh, we have no details on what what it's going to look like. Um, um, The Ecology is having a couple of public meetings this month, October 8th in Seattle, October 13th in Spokane. And uh, the governor has instructed Ecology to develop this rule over the next year. So presumably sometime in 2016, we'll find out what it looks like. Um so one of the companies that's on the list is um a steel manufacturing plant in Seattle which is kind of surprising to think that we have a a steel manufacturing plant it's in fact it's Seattle's only steel manufacturing plant Newcore Steel um which has been um in West Seattle for over a 100 years um under various it hasn't always been called Newcore Steel um but it's under under various owners has been there. It employs several uh, hundred people. Um, Nucor was also on a previous Department of Ecology list when Governor Inslee's uh, cap-and-trade bill was being considered earlier this year. It died in the legislature, and we wrote a special report on it as well. Um, so the thing about Newcore is it's a... <clears throat> not only it is it a longtime employer and company in the state, but it's also won a lot of plaudits for it recycles materials, it's a good corporate citizen, it treats its employees really well. Um, Ron Judd, I did a blog post on this, uh, if, you're, if anyone's interested in reading it, did a, a, a column on Newcore in the Seattle Times uh, last year. And Talking about how a lot of the employees are third-generation employees, and how Newcore, even during the Great Recession, didn't uh, lay off anybody. They just they invested more in their employees to keep them to keep them on the payroll. Um, so it's something to think about. You know that this company that's doing such a great thing—it provides really well-paying blue-collar jobs in the city of Seattle—and um, employs really good, uh, you know corporate practices, um, is now in the target of this carbon cap rule. And again, we don't know if new Nucor's on the list of polluters. Ecology isn't saying that that list is absolutely the list of companies that are going to be affected by it. But you can kind of assume that it probably will be. Um, and we don't know what form the regulations are going to take. Um, but <clears throat> all that w- n- notwithstanding, um, Nucor's... Pretty concerned about it. Um, I actually got a, was able to get a comment out of uh, Patrick Jablonski, who's Nucor's uh, environmental manager. And he and other officials from Nucor have been on the record before um, testifying against uh, Governor Inslee's cap and trade program, just saying it would put them at a competitive disadvantage. Um, and I'll just, I'll read a little bit from his comment. He said that Nucor is an environmental leader in the global steel industry our relentless focus on improving energy efficiency and use of low carbon hydroelectric power at our facility has resulted in our CO2 emissions being less than 20% of the industry average. We are the only steel mill in the state competing against companies in emerging markets like China that have lax environmental standards and are heavily subsidized by their governments in the tough market in which we participate. We have very little ability to pass on additional costs to our customers. Um, and then he goes on to say that they'll be monitoring the, the rulemaking process. But it's something to consider um, as this rulemaking process goes forward. You know, what effect is it going to have on some of these companies? Are they going to stay? Are they going to have to fire people? Are they just going to leave? <clears throat> um, and yeah. we'll we'll see if that factors into ecology's process.
2: Yeah. Well, you would think, given where um, the uh, Inslee administration had been uh, during the session, that uh, that these regulations will will come out as some sort of a cap and trade, uh, mm-hmm. with the, with sort of a with, uh, in this case, allowances handed out to the various uh, uh, in, uh, industries with uh, industrial plants with with histories of emitting, mm-hmm. and then uh, sort of ratchet down the number of allowances and allow them to be traded, and um, and so let the market decide who shuts down and. Or who, who reduces. And in that kind of system, what you may well see is that the reduction is achieved by certain um, entities just exiting the state going out mm-hmm. of business. And that's what you worry about is this is not going to lead to a, a small contraction in, in uh, Nucor's uh, activity level or just our reengineering of their processes, but a decision to, su- to shut down. And if you get a decision to shut down, that's, you know, that can actually end up having uh, adverse environmental consequences. Oh, you know, sure. they are a major recycler. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, we are in this city in particular and put a strong emphasis on recycling. That's a good thing. And, and, and the, the raw material they're using will probably continue to be recycled, but it'll be recycled elsewhere. You'll ship it to China, let's Mm -hmm. say, and burn a whole bunch of – emit a whole bunch of carbon getting the steel over to China, Um, process it, uh, 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 recycle it over there, uh, emitting a whole bunch more carbon uh, in the Chinese plant than would be uh, emitted at at Nucor. And then you'll ship it back here, um, and carbon comes out on the way over.
1: You could see the same thing happening. Another company on the list is um, REC Silicone. Uh, which manufactures or produces parts for uh, solar panels. And so that's on the list. And, you know, you could easily see a company like that just just deciding to shut down and move over to China or move somewhere else. So it's something to... Yes, it's t- an aspect
2: of what economists call the economics of the second best. You know, mm-hmm. in, the, in the that somehow sometimes you think that in the, in a perfect world we would impose regulations on everybody that would tend to ratchet down emissions, but mm-hmm. when you can only impose those those uh, regulations in a small geographic area um the adverse consequences are maybe high and it should lead you to do being less much less aggressive in regulating locally than you would be if you could regulate
1: globally yeah well one can only hope that fingers crossed that the De- department of ecology will take all this into account yes so so as we were talking about recycling yes.
2: uh, there was an interesting article on the in the new york times uh, actually an opinion piece on, on Sunday, we'll put a link up on the website, uh, by, uh, by John Tierney, talking about recycling. Um, and the basic point that he wants to make is that, um, that we, as a nation, are way too aggressive in, in our, the goals we set for the amount of recycling we're doing. Um, that, uh, that the, the carbon reduction benefits uh, come from a limited uh, number of commodities being recycling. Um, as, as he cites, uh, he cites uh, EPA estimates that uh, more than 90% of the benefits from, from recycling come from just a handful of products, uh, uh, primarily paper, card, card, cardboard, and metals, like the steel that we're running through at um, at NuCore, and also aluminum cans There's a big thing. Um, so uh, and and so you know, in a city like Seattle, we're we're incurring large costs. Um, all of us who live here, and uh, to and you know, if you make the city more a more expensive place to live, that again has the uh, has an incentive to, uh, for people to locate outside the city. Uh, you get more sprawl, more commuting, and such. Um, you know, from an environmental point of view, I think one of the major goals should be to try and make this city as inexpensive place uh, place to live
0: as possible. Sure. And he was also talking a lot about how um, a lot of these recycling rules are about feeling good about yourself, mm-hmm. and yes. how that's very expensive, and maybe we should be using our resources to actually do. Yep. Something that works rather than just feeling good about ourselves for separating out plastics yes. and washing them, and well, which uses more water. I mean, there's, well, there's so many regulations about how to recycle that.
2: Yeah, and and it's, and it, as you go, as he, the other point he makes is that as we go, as we ratchet up the goals for the percentage that we're recycling, right. the recycling process itself becomes more and more complicated, and the sorting that goes on. Here in Seattle, you don't even have to sort yourself. They're gonna, they're, the city is going to, uh, to do the sorting for you at uh, a at, uh, fairly great expense. And the more stuff they're asking you to put in the recycling bin, the the, the more complicated the recycling um, activity becomes.
1: I think a lot of bad policy and legislation has been enacted based on it feeling good. Not, not necessarily bad, but just unintended consequences and yes. high costs and not... Not accomplishing what it was supposed to do, just because people want to feel good.
0: Sometimes it's best to, when you th- you think we sh- there should be a law for something, mm-hmm. it's best just to take a step back and, well, maybe there doesn't need to be a law for this. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just in general. Exactly. I think that's wise counsel. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we are all done for this week. Thank you for joining us. And we will talk to you next week with another edition of In Focus.
0: In Focus is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. Your tax-deductible investment allows our work to continue. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.